If you're able to stand, I want to invite you to stand because Revelation 20 verses 1 through 10 is God's word for you this morning. And as I read it aloud, I I want you to be reminded again at the enormous difference of what happens for those who are with Jesus versus those who are against Jesus. Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. And when the thousand years are ended... Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. But the but fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Beloved, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I should start by saying Happy Father's Day, fellas. Um, I'm going to be honest up here and say I love having me a day. (laughs) I love Father's Day. I love my birthday. I love it all. Um, And and yet, I'm also kind of anticipating um, what happens on Father's Day. It kind of feels like report card day, you know, Uh, where we all got to find out real quick what our children think we deserve. Um, I hope we're all encouraged by it. I, I figured uh, this morning I would, or I, I could give you like um, in the Bible, uh, a sketch of some famous father in scripture. And maybe we can, you know, leave with uh, uh, some, some good lessons from naked Noah. 
<laughs> or uh, learn from Honest Abe or or Side Family David. Y'all know them. Um, but I thought, nah. Let's let's look at. <laughs> I shouldn't have looked over here at Maggie at this point in the sermon. I thought Maggie. This is what I thought Maggie. I thought, let's instead look at the father of lies. Let's look at the father of lies. Uh, he's right there uh, in verse 2. Uh, he is called there the dragon. He is uh, otherwise known as, in verse 2, the ancient serpent. Uh, Satan, he, he is our adversary. He is our accuser. And Jesus called this one the father of lies. Revelation 20 is a record of his day where he gets what he deserves. So the title of the sermon is the last days for the father of lies. The last days for the father of lies. And whether you this morning are a father or a child. All of us here are the target of the father of lies. He's active in your life and in mine. He is behind every God-replacing response. He is behind every Bible-doubting thought. And He is behind every Christ-ignoring impulse. So you should care. We all should care what happens to Him. Let me spill the beans uh, for what Revelation 20 is laying out for us. And that is that the liar is losing ground. That's what Revelation 20 verses 1 through 10 teaches us. The liar is losing ground. Uh, The passage really breaks up into two sections. Really, it's kind of two parts of a celebration. And the difference between these two celebrations is, is really just the difference in duration, like how long they last. So the first section really focuses on the thousand years and what's going on during the thousand years. The second half will focus on what will happen forever and ever. So let's look at these in turn. Point number one is the liar is held down for now. Point number one, the liar is held down for now. Verses one through six. Now, listen, you're, you are going to have to try with God's help. I've prayed for you in this, but you got to try with God's help to just forget left behind for a bit. Forget all that teaching. You got to set it all aside. You got to forget what you learned from those flannel graphs in Sunday school about the end time. Just set it all aside. What I want to do is focus on revelation. I want to focus on the Bible, and that's what we're going to talk about. And in this part of the Bible, this is one way you should think about it. It, it, It's kind of like what happens at the end of most days at my dinner table. 
we go around the table and I ask each one of my children and my wife of their highs and lows for the day. Okay? So I say, Caleb, what was the best part of your day? What was the hardest part of your day? We do highs and lows. And I turn to Evie. Evie, what was the best part of your day? What was the hardest part of your day? And that's kind of what's going on in this section in Revelation. Here's what I mean. When we get to Revelation 20, verse 1, and we see, then I saw, in verse 1, John is explaining to you and me when he received this part of the vision. He's not explaining to you and me when the events are going to happen. It's, when, it's the order that he received. I, I saw this part, and then I was given this part to see, and then I was given this part to see. Revelation 17 started this kind of sequence. You could think of it like camera angles. Camera angles of God's final judgment in the end of time. So it's kind of like we looked to the prostitute and we said, now why don't you tell us about your last days? So that's nice. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Uh, now, Mr. Beast and Mr. False Prophet, how did it go for you when Christ came back? Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's pretty tough, isn't he? And then now we're turning person by person to the next enemy. Mr. Dragon, you're the biggest and you're the baddest. So we've saved the last view of you. And that's what's happening in our passage. They're all talking about the same day. They're all talking about the same events, but from their perspective, so to speak. And in, in chapter 20, at the end of the passage, in verses 7 through 10, we're actually going to look at the liar's last, last day. But first, we've got verses 1 through 6. And it's not a vision of the future last days for the father of lies. Verses 1 through 6 is telling us that the liar is held down right now. Like ever since Jesus Christ first came into the world. Okay? I'm going to try to show this to you, but let's read again in verses 1. Following, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him. What this is telling us is the liar is bound. Now. Let me show you this in, Re in Revelation. I want you just for a second to turn back to chapter 12. Turn back to chapter 12. Because in chapter 12, we're given one camera angle of the same stuff. Okay? Look in, in chapter 12. Revelation 12, verses 3 and 4, we see the dragon. And he's crouching 
And he's ready to devour this child in verse 5 who is to rule the nations. And the liar's trying to stop him from getting there. But the child, notice, escapes. And he goes up to God in heaven. What Revelation is doing in just a couple of verses there is summing up all of what happened when Jesus first came. He was born. He, we know he lived this life and then he ended up dying this death on the cross. And he was raised from the dead and he ascended. So by saying he was born and then he escaped, he's just, they're just summing up. They're summarizing all of that first work where he escaped the devil. Now look just a couple of verses later, verse seven through nine, there's an angel who throws the dragon down. This is one camera angle of what we're looking at in chapter 20. In this case, the angel throws the dragon down and it says in in verse 10. Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. He's no the one way to look at what happened when Christ came. He's no longer in the presence of God to accuse us. He's been thrown down out of heaven. He's lost that privilege. That's one way to look at what happened when Jesus came. And Revelation 20 is giving us a different angle of the same thing. In Revelation 12, it was the liar thrown out of heaven. In Revelation 20, Revelation 20, the liar is being held down in a bottomless pit. I want you to, this is, I don't know if this already feels like a different kind of sermon. It feels very much like that to me, and I'm sorry for it. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to do my best to explain what's happening in Revelation 20. And, I'll, and to do that, I want to think about also what the rest of the Bible says. Not just what these verses say. The Gospels tell us when Satan was bound. Do you remember that language? Jesus when he's still alive. They start accusing him of how he's casting out demons by the prince of, by, by the devil's power. He said, that is, that's so foolish. How, why would the devil let me cast him out? He says this, no one can enter a strong man's house. And that's, that's Jesus basically coming into the world is like coming into the devil's house and take from him Unless he first binds. It's the same word we have in Revelation 20. He binds the devil. Then he may take from the devil. Jesus was doing this when he first came. But then ultimately, we don't even have to just look at the Gospels. We can look at the New Testament letters. Like, listen to Colossians 2. It tells us when Satan was bound. Listen. On the cross... Colossians 2, 14 and 15. Jesus canceled the record of our sins, but he also disarmed the rulers and authorities, that's the demons, and put them to open shame. He triumphed over them. He triumphed over the devil on the cross. So I think what the whole Bible teaches us and what is consistent even in the book of Revelation is that the liar, Satan, has been held down ever since Christ was lifted up. And what that means is this thousand years 
that's being referred to here, this millennium is now. He's held down for now. Now, let me, let me try to bring some clarity to what the devil's doing now while he's being held down. The other day I got home from work and my kids ran outside and they were getting the groceries out of my trunk. And then Pete yells at me from across the street. So he's yelling at me. He's my cross street neighbor. And he tells me, get the kids inside. Because the beast was loose. The neighbor's dog, this Marmaduke, like evil twin dog brother of Marmaduke, my next door neighbor's dog, um, was out. And he was hungry for human flesh, let me tell you. And Pete had been dealing with this. And so when I got home, he's like, okay, we can do, we can do this. So what, what, I, what we did is I went to one side of the fence, like on my side of the property. And I start calling for this rabid mutt, you know, to come over here and basically away from the gate that's open. And Pete, in that time, he runs over to get to the gate and he gets it closed. And what that meant was this man-eater dog, you know, um, was running right at me. And he was trying to high jump that fence, which is not that high. And um, stripping his teeth, you know, he's trying to he's trying to eat me alive right then. Now, let me tell you, when when Pete got that fence locked, I was so thankful. But I did not let my kids anywhere near the fence, and I didn't want it'd be foolish to put them in the backyard. The father of lies is on a chain leash. That doesn't mean he's safe. So Ephesians 2 says, he's working in the sons of disobedience. He's leading a whole world to the wrath of God. And and Second Corinthians four says he's blinding the minds of unbelievers. Why is it that unbelievers cannot love Jesus? Because the devil is right now blinding their minds to keep them from seeing him as glorious. First Peter five says he is prowling around like a lion seeking someone to devour. Revelation chapter twelve in our own book it says that he is he has been sent down. But right now he's pursuing and threatening the church. Revelation 13 says that he's working through his beast. So that he can deceive people from every tribe, language, nation and tongue. So he can deceive everyone who. Who does not love the lamb. He's doing all of that. The liar is held down, but only a fool would provoke him, get in that backyard, you know, get anywhere near him. So you should be wondering, well, if the devil's still ferocious and in, in attacking, what good 
did Christ's cross do? Well, it got you here. And this is, this, listen, this is what I mean. Unless you're Jewish, unless you're from Israel, Christ's cross got you here. And that's the new thing. Look, look again, very clearly in the text in verse three. Why is he bound for a thousand years? What does, what is he being kept from doing in, in these thousand year millennium in verse three? That, uh, it says, so that he might not deceive the nations any longer. That's what he's being kept from doing. What that means is before the cross, just think about it. You could only know God. You could only know God in his grace and his mercy. You could only know the promise keeping God. You could only know the steadfast loving God, the sinner saving God. If you were in one nation. Israel. But the nations, which is what it says here in verse three, the rest of humanity belonged to the liar. And the liar lost ground when Christ was lifted up. So that now people in the nations can be saved. That's what he's being kept from preventing in a way that he was preventing it before. So when that dog was loose, things were tense. Pete was tense. You know, <laughs> I was tense and trying to get my kids, you know, safe and all that stuff. And then getting that, that murderous dog behind bars, you know, made us chill out just a little bit. And that's what happens in the movies, isn't it? Like when, when the enemy gets locked up, everyone sleeps a little bit better. Is that what we're supposed to be doing now? Now that the liar is held down. Now think about it. The liar is held down for now. For this reason. For the gospel to go out. To go out to places and to people who had zero access to God before. Who had no hope for anything but death and hell. This is, this is exactly consistent with the reading we had earlier in John 12. What does Jesus say? Now is the judgment of the world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out when I am lifted up on the cross? Then I will draw all people to myself. It's just consistent throughout Scripture. The liar is being held down because Christ was lifted up and it's then that he's going to start drawing now the nations and people from the world to himself. The liar is held down, beloved, for the gospel to go out. That's the whole reason for it. Listen, what did he say in Matthew chapter 16? 
he went to his disciples and he said, who do people say that I am? And when Peter says you are the Christ, you're not just a good guy. You're not just a guy who has the words of God. You are the Christ. You're the king. You're the savior we've been waiting for. You're the one who we should follow with all our life. And then Jesus looks to Peter and he says, no one taught you to say that. My father in heaven gave you that truth. And on that confession, I'm going to build my church beyond Israel, build it throughout all the world, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The liar is being held down for this reason, beloved. It's not so that we have an easier life. It's not so that we don't have to worry about what he's going to do to us anymore. No, Christians are not that we do not have that mindset. We don't just relax a little bit. We don't go to sleep. He is held down for now for the gospel to go out right now. While the liar is prowling, while the liar is devouring, he can deceive the world, but he cannot uh, stop Jesus Christ from saving people, rescuing people from every nation. Listen, this is what should be pressed upon you. This is what your curiosity should lead you to in Revelation chapter 20. If the liar is being held down, I should not hold back. I must not hold back. He's being held back for this this very reason that I would not hold back. Don't hold back, beloved. That's the whole reason he's done this. Is for you not to hold back the truth of Christ from everyone around you. So dads, I mean, think about that for your kids today. And the greatest legacy that we can leave behind us is not a family business and it's not memories of going camping. All those, those things can be great. The legacy we want to leave is a pleading with the Lord and a pleading with our children to be rescued from the liar. To be forgiven by the blood of Christ. I say that to, to fathers, but I, I, I just want to say this now to mothers. I, I heard this, something that happened this week when there was this big debate going on in the Southern Baptist Convention about whether women should be pastors. And the Southern Baptist Convention stood with the Bible this week and said, no, we do not recognize women to be pastors. You can't be part of the Southern Baptist Convention if you have women pastors. And Mark Dever uh, gathered a group of people and he he was he was trying to make sure the women um, would be encouraged that that doesn't mean you have any less role or significance in the kingdom of God. And so what he did was he had everyone who was saved as a child, like 11 years old or younger, he had them all stand up. And then he said, now, if if your mother had nothing to do with that, please be seated. And hundreds and hundreds of people were standing. People who had been saved when they were a child. That God used their mothers to share the gospel with them, to prove a point. Get the gospel out. And, and, and mothers, you've got such an important role of ministry. Not just in your home, but certainly in your home. Don't hold back. And none of us should be holding back while the liar is right now being held down. Don't hold back. Don't hold back from the people in your neighborhoods. In your workplace, in your social groups. 
Don't, don't, don't separate part of your life. This is, I do this thing with this group of people, but I don't really talk about Jesus to them. No. Do you know why the enemy's being held back? The sports teams that our children are a part of, there are people all around us who have no hope. Don't hold back. The liar's losing ground. And he's losing ground because the church is growing. And yet that's not the only way that he's losing ground. In verses 4 through 6, while he's being held down, saints are going up. While he's being held down, saints are going up. While the liar is restricted, all believers who die in this world end up reigning. Okay, verses 4 through 6. This is this is where we're talking about the millennium, not just what's happening to Satan, but what's happening to people. And I just want to just make an observation. The millennium is a time for peace for Christians. You see that? It's a time for peace. And yet somehow we choose to so strongly disagree with one another on this that it doesn't look like any kind of peace. Whether we're all-mill, pre-mill, post-mill, whatever. This is the thing we'll fight with the Christians for, over. Does that sound crazy to you? It's all about peace with Christians. Now, I just want to draw your attention to the text. That's all I want to do. I want you to notice in verse 4, the text is very clear where the millennium is. The text is clear in verse 4 where the millennium is. Verse 4, it says the thrones. That's where the rule is. And in Revelation, the thrones are in heaven. There aren't thrones on earth. The reign is in heaven. I want you to notice who, in verse 4, Christ shares his reign with. Who does the millennium, who experiences the millennium? It's in heaven. And the ones who Christ shares his reign with, just look at the text in verse 4. He doesn't share his millennium reign with believers on earth. It's not a physical thing. Verse 4 says it's with souls. Do you see that? It's with souls that Christ shares his millennium reign with. It is Christ's martyrs, those who have died for him. And it's also every every Christian who dies. It's, It's those who did not take the mark of the beast. It's those who remained faithful to Jesus. It's every single Christian who died during this period that's called a thousand years, which in the book of Revelation, we're not going to be inconsistent now, has always used numbers symbolically. A thousand years is just a long period of time that here is referring to the time between Christ's first coming and his second coming. While the liar is being held down, saints are going up. What happens is when a saint dies, their souls go up. Leave their body in graves. Verse 5 is calling this the first resurrection. Where souls rise into heaven, the first resurrection. let Let me bring this home for us. Because I, I mean, this is this is one of the most like studying these verses is one of the most encouraging 
things that not only that I did all week, but that I've done all series in, in the book of Revelation. This is meant to encourage us, not cause us to fight with one another. Father's Day will never be the same for my brother. Now, I want to just tell you why. Because it was right before Father's Day last year when his daughter's body sunk to the bottom of his pool. And what I pray will comfort him today and what I want to say to him today is that since Isabel was a Christian, the moment her heart stopped, her reign started. That's what this, these verses are saying. I want you to take this in. My precious niece, on June 16th, 2022, sank down. And paramedics came and doctors came and they tried to wake her up. But according to this, her soul had already shot up. That pool is the site of cruelty and sadness. My brother lost his daughter there. But there's another angle to this. The liar lost ground at the bottom of my brother's pool. The liar had been whispering to Isabel what he whispers to all of us. This world is all there is. After death, God won't accept you. But one year and two days ago, at the bottom of that pool, she came to realize by experience what it says in Revelation chapter 12, that the saints conquer the liar by the blood of Jesus. When we love not our lives, even unto death, when we love him most, even unto death, in that moment, all his lies lose all power. At the bottom of the pool, that's what happened that day. At the bottom of the pool, the soul of Queen Isabel rose and took the rule with her Savior. And Cooper, now it's been a few years since that day when your mother died. What was happening? When did it happen? What was she feeling? Well, I don't know. But it was that moment and every moment since that priestess Daphne started to enter into the ministry in the very presence of God. That's what happens when a saint dies. According to these verses. This is how good the gospel is, beloved. This is why you don't need to be afraid of dying. However it happens. Children, whether you die in a pool by yourself as a teenager, or if you die in your sleep at 90 years old, 
whether it is a disease that gets you or whether it's uh, martyrdom and the sword of an enemy that gets you. Listen to what it says in chapter 20 and verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Whose soul goes up immediately into God's presence. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. So, children, listen to me. Everyone here, listen to me. But children, listen to me. Your first death is coming. It is coming. You can't avoid that, but you can avoid the second death. Which is the death here of, of souls in hell. The believer in Jesus Christ, when they die, they go up because Jesus got up from the grave. That is the great hope of the gospel. And I want to encourage every single person right here to believe it. And I know not everyone here believes it. And I want, to, I want you to listen to me. There is something far better than this life. And there is something far worse than death. Will you keep in the hands of the liar and all the lies? Or will you conquer him by the blood of a savior and trust him and follow him with all your life? And then the second death cannot touch you. And death is only a door into the presence of God in his reign. If you will repent of your sins and trust in Christ, that can be yours today. I've gone long already. But I hope you'll agree it's not enough for the liar just to lose some ground. It's not enough for him just to be held down for a thousand years. He's got to be thrown down forever. And that we see in verses 7 through 10. The liar will be thrown down forever. Now if you'll just Hang with me for a second. I want to walk you through this again. This is just a different angle from what we have seen in these last chapters of Revelation. It is not referring to a different time. Chapter 20 cannot take place after chapter 19. If that's the way you're reading it, that chapter 19 happens and then chapter 20 happens, it's impossible for it to happen that way. Because chapter 19 ended where all the kings were already assembled for a battle and they were all wiped out. Chapter 19 ended, if you'll remember, in verses 19 and 21, where all of humanity that was unbelieving were already destroyed by Jesus. Which means that in chapter 20, it can't happen after chapter 19. It's got to be just a different angle at the same event because there would no longer be any nations in chapters in verses 7 through 10. There would no longer be any kings for the liar to then deceive and lead into battle against Christ. It's, it's the same battle. It's just a different perspective. 
It's the same battle we saw in chapter 16, verse 14. We were told the, the same things, that the demons are here to deceive people into battling against Christ. It's the same battle that we saw in chapter 17, verse 14, using the same language of battle. There it was translated war, but it's the same word, and it refers to how people at the end of time will be gathered under the dragon and under the beast to fight against him. Same thing at the end of chapter 19. We're looking at a different angle here in chapter 20. What it's saying is that the father of lies has had his day. He's had a long run. He's had a long run since that first lie in the garden. Whenever he told the world, God's not good. Sin's not bad. You should live for you. He's had a long run there. And ever since then, what he's been doing is recruiting a worldwide army to take on God in this great battle. And what I think this is teaching is that right before Christ returns, the liar is not going to be held down anymore. He's going to be let loose. And he's just like those crime bosses in the movies. Whenever they were in prison, the moment they get out of prison, what do they do? They get the old gang back together. That's what he does. He gets out of his prison at the end of time. Whenever Christ is about to return, he's going to deceive the world. For what reason? To assemble all of them in this battle against Christ. And, it, and there's a soundtrack to the battle. You've maybe heard it before. Another one bites the dust. And another one gone. And another one gone. Another one bites the dust. That's what happens over and over anytime anyone comes against the Lord Jesus in the end. Chapter 20, verse 9. They marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city they're threatening. And fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Beloved, the liar will be thrown down forever and ever. And what that means is these are the very last days of people living for themselves. This is it. Because Christ is about to take over. So today, shouldn't just be about fathers. That doesn't mean don't celebrate fathers. It's God after all. It's God who says we should honor fathers. But fathers, I hope you and I will lead our families to throw down the lie even today that anyone or anything is more important than Jesus Christ. God made an agreement in eternity before any of this that Jesus Christ would be the prophet, priest, and king. That he would be the head and savior of the church. That he would be the heir of all things. That he would be judge of the world. And unto him, from all eternity, he would be given a people. So what, that's what we're seeing. The end of Revelation. Enemy by enemy. He's taking over. So does it make any sense for you to live 
a single day worried about how people think you're great. Well, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would take your word. You would make it alive in us. Lord, I do believe whatever position anyone takes on when it is you come back and how that relates to the millennium. That the idea that you're taking over, the idea that this life is about us not holding back. Is not in dispute for any of the any of the views. So would you help us to stay there, lift our eyes to you. And cause us to serve you with total confidence that you're coming back for us. And you will remove all your enemies. We pray all this in your name. Amen.